This is episode 115 of G.I. Joburg. I'm Steve, and I'm also joined by... Paul. <laughs> and... Kujo, fresh off a productive morning, ready to relax and talk some G.I. Joe and uh, life. Not fresh out of Compton. Not yet. It's straight out of Compton, but we'll forgive you, Paul. Uh, it's a mashup. Down, down on the old school hip-hop. Because just uh, up until very recently, you were mixing some dance music. Am I am I mistaken? No, you're 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 100 correct. I was playing a bit of tech, a bit of techno. And when I say techno, I'm not using it as a collective term. I was specifically playing the genre techno. <laughs> um, so lots of pan, lots of splitting hairs. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> Does listening to techno kind of pump you up for the Joe chat, or just random listening? Yeah, I like it because I, I always use music to get away from the drawing stuff a bit because the drawing, you know, the creative side, the visual creative side of things, you know, like you, you kind of, it's like a balance, so you kind of burn that out a little bit. So it's good for me to get into the music stuff and just then I'm only focusing on the music. I'm going, okay, is the EQ right? Is my effects ready? Wait for this part of the music, you know, like I'm always focusing on that. So it's kind of meditative. So I wouldn't say like it amps me up, but it's meditative. You know, if anything, it does amp me up. However, when um, if if that, if I've got a crowd, because then you get that feedback. You know, and people enjoy what you're playing and whatever. Um, Speaking of Renaissance <laughs> men, um, um, Long Beach is uh, it's pretty serene right now. There's always a couple planes overhead, but uh, I'm in my own little podcast world, so we're good. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, it's a welcome retreat from. The craziness that's happening out there. Uh, for my part, specifically, I'm coming to you this evening from uh, Craiova, Romania. Oh yes. I guess I. It's true to say I live a charmed life because work has me currently at a Shakespeare festival, an international Shakespeare festival, hosted in this strange little town. Uh, about three hours outside of Bucharest, called Craiova. And man, do I have some stories to tell. None of them, well, practically none of them G.I. Joe related, but uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm overflowing and I feel the need to, to share. Well, then maybe we should give the mic to you. Yeah, share. Tell us, tell us oh. about it. Well, no, I mean, before I get into any of that, I think up front it's important to... Uh, delve into a little bit of shop talk, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, the GoFundMe has uh, reached a kind of a, 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 perhaps a ceiling, I don't know. Um, we'll see if we can uh, squeeze a few dollars more out of uh, any of our listeners or fans or friends out there. But we, we're sitting pretty at about 65% of goal. Um, mm. I'd sleep a lot easier at nights knowing we were a bit closer. But I also know not to labor the issue. Uh, I'm thrilled that we've been able to make as much bank as we have. It's really, really, really cool. Now comes the part where we decide how best to implement what we've made. Whether it's a case of two of us going or three of us going and somehow, uh, I don't know, getting in, <laughs> getting in deep with the banks. Um, Curtis, you seem confident that we'll be able to to to, to find more uh, t-shirt sales. I'm, you know, 
I'm always going to take that, that level of confidence with a pinch of salt and say, well, if we don't make another cent, how best do we afford this? Um, and with any luck, we'll get there. So I guess the long and short of what I'm trying to say is, if anyone out there is listening who is still in a position to help us and hasn't uh, had an opportunity to, uh, or perhaps they were waiting for a, a more opportune time, or perhaps it just clean forgotten and thought we were doing okay, um, I would urge you to take another look at our GoFundMe. Break off a 20 and get one of those t-shirts, as Cujo would no doubt say. Alternatively, if you don't trust the GoFundMe system for funding, like maybe you've used GoFundMe before and it's something that you don't like and you do wish to contribute somehow, please feel free to contact us on, on Facebook, uh, via Facebook or on one of our social media platforms. Obviously, uh, if that's the case, we have to be very careful with a lot of things and whatever. But if for some reason you don't want to back on GoFundMe, then please, by all means, you there is that option. We're not... We're not too strict about using GoFundMe. We just use it so that it feel uh, so that it felt um, open and honest with you, our donors. <laughs> See, we're all kind of recognizing this is the age of you know rep network. You know, I still turn over my head like because uh, because it is people are getting stuff crowdfunded, people are exceeding goals. The people that are in our network are have been incredibly generous. I think we all realize that. So. I mean, if we if we can get any other ears or eyes, you know, maybe our content gets bumped a certain way into a different network. Uh, that's all it takes. Mm. And of course, I'm always I'm all, I'm always positive. So yeah, let me make this abundantly clear. I never expected to have raised nearly as much as we have. It is spectacular. <laughs> so I, I let me not ever sound ungrateful. This is, uh, you know, exceeded my my wildest dreams. You you sold me on this podcast as a medieval castle chat, Stephen. So I'm going to hold you to that. But just <laughs> just in the way of uh, of Joe Fund Me chat, we're basically, I mean, we're long terming this. We've we've planned most of our locations to stay, etc. So basically, if you kick in at this point. Uh, you're you're putting gas in the tank so we can get to those locations. So it's it's tight, but I like it. I, I like a tight game. Yeah, it's mostly and, uh, the Airbnb stuff. So we have uh, a roof over our heads. <laughs> are we taking the train today? Are we packing a tent? Mm. I think that's what it is. It's GI Joe is a brand in a strange place. You know, the the biggest network that reps GI Joe is IDW, and nobody in that network wants to talk to anybody in the network that, that represents them. And I'm not, I'm not going there, but just talking about networks, you have HTC, who's one of the brightest in the game. Like, you're telling me that that guy's not smart. He's reinvented himself on the fly a couple times. He's repping a couple of different genres. It's, it's pretty impressive. G.I. Joburg, you guys are just... There's, there's war rooms right now trying to figure out how to pay you guys. <laughs> dude, the work that Steven's been doing. GoFundMe.com. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. But mm. I will rep the t-shirts real quick. Just got the first t-shirt done. Uh, I don't usually throw pictures of myself online, but we will get a pic uh, of that t-shirt. It's going to be like dominoes. As soon as you realize what these t-shirts are, because we'll probably be wearing them on the uh, convention trip. I think you'll want one of these. But, again, like, yeah, time is time is of the essence. This is your network if you're in Joe. Actually, I had a question. Stephen brought it up uh, when we were off the record. 
Like, where do people go from here? Is is the Joe Network going to fizzle after the con? Like, if there's no new content, uh, what do people do? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm asking. As long as there is breath in my lungs, oh, wow. I will be producing G.I. Joe content. Hell, if I could, well, do- if I could somehow make an honest living out of this stuff, I would do it full time. Mm-hmm. I would quit my career tomorrow. And that's saying something, man, because this career is great. I'm in motherfucking Romania tonight. And I, we want to hear about that, so I'm going to wrap with this. Look, people are going to tell you how things get done. We are watching people reinvent that on the fly. Uh, I, I'm not going to talk up the comic book, but uh, uh, basically a YouTube person funded a co- an independent comic book this last couple weeks, uh, they're, they're almost pushing 100K. So if you think networks aren't redefining on the fly, G.I. Joburg is legit. It's, 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 uh, it's not four dudes on a podcast. It's, it's, it's everybody. Like, four we're, not content pro- we're, we're content producers, but we're network. We're not a platform. So anyway, that's all. I'm done preaching. Steven? I think it's time for a quick fire topic, gentlemen. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> You're getting on a plane to Eastern Europe in the next 25 minutes. You do a quick scramble around your room. You get to take four G.I. Joe or Cobra operatives with you on this trip. Which action figures do you select? <laughs> Curtis, you, oh, Kujo, you go first. All right. Sensitive to uh, task at hand. I mean, are they jumping out of the airplane? <laughs> um, uh, well, I don't want to paint you in too much of a corner, but if you want to make them all paratroopers, I'm totally down with that. All right. Well, I, I will talk about people that are in the air. I, I think you got to go with uh, the Cobra Jump Trooper. I can't remember his name right now, but you guys know who I'm talking about, right? Paraviper? There you go. Nice. Dude. <laughs> the invasion has begun. I had a lot of moving parts on him, but he looked good, and the card art was strong, too. Mm. Incidentally, comes with a German paratrooper weapon. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. D- details. A um, very cool gun. I'm pretty sure that gun saw action in the, the skies over Eastern Europe. The Eastern mm. Front. Yeah, big time. I'll go with the modern era Scarlet pilot figure, because she's got some gear on. Ah, oh, she up front flying you into the LZ, or the DZ. Why not? Drop zone. <laughs> In the drop zone. Yeah. Nice. Wild Bill was too busy. And not sexy enough. <laughs> I don't know. I got two. What do you got, Paul? I, um, okay, I'll, I'm totally taking, uh, because it's Romania, like, let me go with my Cobras first. Uh, the first one's going to be Crystal Ball, because, uh, nice. I mean, not that I have one. I wish I had one. But um, Joke on, baby. Yeah, baby. Crystal Ball's definitely coming with because he's just so damn random. And um, another operative that I think would be interesting to work in Romania uh, would be like Crocmaster. I'd take Crocmaster with me. And I know that's weird because like... Exotic. I don't really, I don't know Romania's topography that well, but uh, I don't know. Something about him just seems cool and horror-like. And I associate Romania with... Um, like with a sort of an, an, an esoteric sort of horror kind of side to it, with all due respect. And then for my Joes, I was actually thinking 
who would enjoy Romania? Well, I'm thinking somebody geeky like uh, like sci-fi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Geeky with because uh, sci-fi is all like into you know movies and stuff like that, and 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 he's a big geek, so I'd get him to go with because he'd probably really enjoy it. And then I'd take somebody with him like like actually Snake Eyes because he would want to geek out, and Snake Eyes would be like. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Always got to ask which version. Oh, um, I would take my favorite. Oh, these are all vintage, <clears throat> by the way. Oh. Yeah, no, I didn't go with modern era this time, just because I don't think there's a really cool modern era crystal ball. So that's kind of what messed me up around a little. I'll take version two, Snake Eyes. Kind of medieval, <laughs> which is yeah. very, very uh, significant, I suppose, to the region. Yeah. Mm. This is where the sort of medieval world existed. Exactly. You know, and it's where the myth of vampires comes from as well. Well, Yeah, well, I mean, just uh, doing the most um, uh, superficial bit of research this afternoon, the castle that, uh, that was Bram Stoker's inspiration uh, mm. is in Romania. Mm. Uh, I don't think it, uh, it played host to that legend. But he saw this castle and he was like, mm, that's, that is a great setting for my, my, my novels. He was envious. Yeah, man. Uh, the name of the castle is the Bran Castle. Also, just oh, outside Bucharest. Bran. And it's set into a, uh, a hilltop completely surrounded by thick forest. So, I mean, it's totally Castlevania territory. Yeah. You know what's sad? Is the most readily accessible castle name that I have, aside from the Silent Castle, is uh, Castle Grayskull. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys done much castle touring in your days? I live, I shit you not, uh, across the road from a castle. (laughs) Back in Cape Town. White Castle? Uh, the castle. <laughs> Funny guy. No, actually, we have no white castles uh, at uh, in South Africa. Not yet, at least. Jeez, uh, so many birds. Yeah, that to be thankful for. Yeah. Is it garbage? Uh, I mean, I guess if you're in a certain state of mind or you're coming off of a bender, it might work. I was gonna say there's probably a reason it's in a Stoner movie. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Oh, so it's, no, no, I'm not actually going to finish that joke. Uh, we might actually we might have to hit a White Castle because I believe they're just in the south. They haven't found their way to uh, the west coast. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Um, so uh-huh. getting back to my castle story, yes, the Castle of Good Hope, which was a fortification established by the Dutch in Cape Town or the the Cape Colony, um, just to use as a kind of a fallback position if. Uh, if the natives were restless, um, and it is a quite a recent, a relatively recently built castle, I think, and you know, it dates back to the, the 1700s. Um, so it is mm-hmm. designed in such a way to afford maximum rifle fire. Uh, it doesn't. It eliminates its own blind spots by arranging itself into a five-pointed star, but the star's points they they what's the word? they sort of recede onto themselves. To create uh, more facets, uh, so you have better mm. angles on the kind of the the broad sides of the stars, the stars' points. 
Anyway. Yeah, it's kind of like diamonds on the star points. Uh, diamond shapes. Thank you, Mr. Artiste. And that also formed the symbol of the South African National Defense Force. That five-sided, unique oh. star with the diamond tips. It's convenient. Mm. <laughs> Ninja star. Um, the reason I came up with this quick fight topic is because I was faced with the same predicament. Uh, I was about 25 minutes away from leaving to catch my flight. And I was like, I am not going away without packing some toys. It is always a mistake to not bring toys with you because... You know, you kind of want to set some guys up on your dresser drawer. Like, how best does a Joe fan make a anonymous hotel room his own? Well, you take some of your guys with you. And so I fell upon a distinctly European mix. Uh, two Action Force guys. Mm. Yeah, the Action Force Commando, the SAS Action Force Commando, uh, and the Z, Z Force Captain Campbell, said Force Commander. Two five-point articulation figures, pretty rudimentary. You know, Pally Toy moved a lot of these units. They were very cheaply made, but they are still fabulous sculpts in spite of their limited articulation. They are, a, I don't know, they're just a, a, a piece of action figure history, really, and extremely realistic looking. I mean, take the SAS Commando, for instance. He is right out of the pages of history. You know, he looks like one of the guys that, uh, that foiled the, the hostage drama at the Iranian embassy. Uh, this is probably before both of us mm. were born, Paul, but I mean, you probably can trammel up the images of these kind of SAS operatives all in black with the gas masks uh, and the Heckler and Koch submachine guns, you know, repelling down the sides of this building throwing um, smoke grenades into the windows and raiding the place. I mean, it's a solid action figure representation of that. And the guy I got these figures from is actually a friend of mine who I met through through the theater, through doing Shakespeare, in fact. And he was like, I've got these action force figures. Do you want them? He told me that he snubbed G.I. Joe figures in favor of these action force figures in spite of the limited articulation for the simple reason that they looked more realistic. He was like, you know, I didn't want lurid guys with lots of paint apps. He steered clear of the Red Shadows figures and Cobra figures alike because he wanted the most realistic-looking action figures, which turned out to be these Action Force guys. The other two slots on my team, <laughs> I just had to take Dusty. His FAMAS always made him seem like he was a French foreign legionnaire to be honest, you know, working out in North Africa. And I just absolutely adore the action figure. <laughs> so there are ties to Europe that I have kind of worked in. Yeah, Dusty could be a Frenchman. <laughs> and finally, just because I love to fly, I brought Resolute Duke with the... Vegas, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, no, look, if, if, you, if, you want to, if, you, if you want to find creative resettings of characters... There is precedent for them. I I take it I take the the hint from Dusty's rifle, but uh, you need only look at his action force file card, and it turns out the Brits wanted him to hail from Alice Springs, Australia. So who's to say where Dusty really comes from? Australia. He's an enigma. 
wrapped in a havelock. I can't think. Nastiness. There we go. And camo paint. <laughs> yep, he could be anybody. And yeah, finally I took a resolute Duke with the with that jetpack, just because he's so cool, man. You gotta be able to jump out of your aircraft and fly. And the sort of urban camo that his figure is set in is perfect for operations in this sort of uh, derelict medieval buildings that Romania is filled with, with the gigantic Soviet-era communes and tenement buildings rising out of them. I mean, it's it's a fascinating combination of two things, like pre-Soviet and post-Soviet world. Like, all the ancient architecture, it's still there, but it's kind of falling into ruin because no one's really going to the huge outlay of, of maintaining it. And then you've got these huge, yeah. uninspired, like, concrete blocks built by the Soviets to just house thousands of people. You know, part of me wallows in self-pity because, like, I come from a more cosmopolitan town where... You know, like farmers markets are special organic things where everything is overpriced and it happens once a week and it's for plebs. Here, there is a daily market (laughs) where you can get fresh produce straight from the soil, okay? And everyone's there, grandparents, kids, like doing their grocery shopping with these gorgeous, ripe, beautiful fruits and vegetables, like the most fragrant, delicious, sun-ripened tomatoes, organic, massive uh, mushrooms that are the size of your fist, if not bigger. Oh, man, it's just fantastic. And <laughs> second-hand toy shops where you buy things by weight. <laughs> okay, so a lot of them are like <laughs> Happy Meal t- kind of toys. But every once in every while, you'll see like a, a dusty old... G1 Transformer with no parts. <laughs> and, and yeah, the odd the odd G.I. Joe here or there, everywhere. Uh, and then and then sifting through like some old shoes. Yeah, believe this. You can find <laughs> you can actually buy secondhand footwear here. Like that's that's a thing. Like leather boots. And leather has a memory, right? So you're actually gonna put someone else's boot on your foot and feel the arch of someone else's foot. I mean, uh, it boggles the mind why anyone would do that. But then my eyes fell upon it. A vintage mauler. Missing everything, but it was the tank is there, man. Hmm. Oh, my word. And I'm also shitting you, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Why would you do that? I, I have not found any worthy toys yet. No, Paul, it's a, it's, it's a lost cause, bro. <laughs> I just did that for you, to get your reaction. <laughs> oh my word! You have the best luck ever. Indeed. Do castles fit into the GI Joe mythology for you? Like, is there a place for them in your play patterns? Absolutely. And it was all thanks to yeah. to the excellent authorship of uh, Mr. Harmer. One castle in particular played host to a lot of interesting action. And, yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk G.I. Joe Castles, the one that tops the list every time is the Silent Castle. Mm. Sure, sure. Now, when they revisit it, I mean, I think the strength of that, and uh, Paul, you probably can probably chew on this better than I can. 
like Hama keeps framing the castle different ways in different frames, it's almost like you know the structure, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you get a you get a top down, you get a, a yeah, you get a bit of a bird's eye, you get a worm's eye view, you get like you get these close up moments and then there's these beautiful moments where like you have these interior shots that are almost symmetrical in the way that they're done. It's really cool. Like these like mid range Shots. Important to me that you said almost symmetrical. Uh, I remember listening to an interview about Larry Harmer breaking down the issue 21 and saying that he he made sure that the castle had unique features left and right so that you could always situate yourself what side you were perceiving the castle on. You notice it has two kind of radar units, but they're distinct. Yeah. So the one mm-hmm. on the right side of the castle, one on the left side of the castle, you could, by seeing which side, which unit was on, you could tell if you were viewing it from the front or the back. Just little signposts like that were part of the genius of, of the design of the place. But uh, this is not an irrelevant, or this is not an arbitrary connection. I, mm. I, I believe Transcarpathia in <laughs> the comic book references uh, is Transylvania. Not so. To a degree, yeah, because you get the Carpathian Mountains. So, yeah. Yeah, because you get the Carpathian Mountains, which is where I think the Carpathia comes from. And then Trans is, uh, yeah, I'd imagine it's Transylvania. Yeah, which means in real real ge- geographics, uh, the Silent Castle is situated in Romania. Mm. Um, feel free to shoot me down on that, dear listener, if you have other theories. But uh, that seemed to be the the fictional layouts of, of Harmer's uh, Eastern Europe. Does that make Destro a vampire of sorts? <laughs> like, at least in interpretation? Destro's castle is in Scotland. I think that's beyond dispute. But Cobra set up shop at this, you know, mountainous retreat with the high-sided walls set into a mountain face with a very narrow approach road. I guess it was just... It was a throwaway location that because it was used for issue 21 had incredible staying power. I mean, it, it kept mm. on finding reuse in the comic books. It also finds itself in the cartoon and the animated series as well. What? Um, although it's never referred to as the silent castle, I think Sunbow definitely cribbed uh, from the comic book when they designed one or two of the castles or that one specific castle in Sunbow. You're going to have to present some info on that. I mean, when when you're talking about how Hama framed it, he also did that during the Cobra Civil War to Cobra Island. So it has to be kind of a technique, you know, of setting a stage. Mm. He did all those flyovers. Just behind Cobra Island, I'd say that in terms of Cobra locations, the Silent Castle is the second most popular uh, and second most widely used. It's a coin flip, really, Um, yeah. Yeah, um, just to get back to that silent castle in Sunbow, um, it's not it's not like this. It's not the silent castle. I don't want people to think I'm calling it silent castle. It's the Cobra Temple. It's from the the Cobra Strikes episode, um, but it bears striking resemblance to the uh, to the silent castle. It's even got moody lighting and everything. It's just it's a lot more um, Halloween than the silent castle is. Is that from Mass Device episode one? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, so Destro, yeah, he arrives at the castle, his Sherpas flee. (laughs) 
then he puts his hand into that that sort of reader and that's the panel or the the frame of the cartoon where you see Destro has a mechanical hand because it gives you an x-ray view of his hand Mm. if you don't believe me dear listener check it out again yeah, in fact, um, I believe this was some controversy that uh, that you raised in an, in a very early episode of our show. Actually, I remember you you bringing this oh, up. Oh, it wasn't that the... long ago, Paul. And it was like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, man. I think. Uh, it thrilled me to see the Silent Castle revisited by Devil's Due. That was one of those things that they got right early. They had Destro in occupation at the Silent Castle and Cobra in a multitude of of typical Cobra vehicles like Trouble Bubbles, Fang 1s, Fang 2s, Mambas, start assaulting the place. Uh, mm-hmm. Destro's forces defend it with AGPs and anti-aircraft rockets, missiles. Eventually it's overrun. This is cool panel where Zartan comes out of almost like a cloaking uh, and he snaps the neck of a sniper iron grenadier that's about to um, pot Cobra Command, I think. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's cool. And let's not lose sight of the fact that it, it also had um, transforming or reformatting properties. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I'm not against that because there is there's a lot of stuff in anime. In Evangelion, Evangelion is the uh, the first thing I can think of right now. Where uh, when an emergency happens, the some of the major buildings in the cities sort of go underground. Um, and and another good um, uh, example is Macross, when the SDF one transforms uh, into its uh, giant mech mode, uh, destroyer mode, I think is what it's called. It also has a lot of like compression and changes in the inside of the of uh, in of the inside of the SDF one itself. So like shop fronts go closer together and the road sort of like folds and that kind of thing. So I'm totally done with that because it means that it's like it can change its um sort of it changed itself from casual holiday uh you know, hideaway castle to defensive fort <laughs> castle. I I'm a big fan no, of that. No, it seems to have done it in reverse, like for, for those of you not familiar with this arc of the comic book, Destro's castle in Scotland is destroyed at the hands of Cobra Command. So he retreats with the Baroness to the Silent Castle in Transcarpathia. And then <laughs> he has that castle reformat itself to resemble his castle in Scotland. So a complete redecoration. Uh, <laughs> even the stones change their outward appearance from a sort of a flat face concrete wow. slate to ancient bricks. <laughs> yeah, so I mean it's it's pretty far out. It's not just like going into defense mode. It's a complete transformation. How many times have they visited the Silent Castle in the continuity? Cuz Ninja Force visited as well with that ant chain. <laughs> the ant chain. Well, that's the the arc that I'm re- referring to at the moment. When Destro reformats it for the first time. uh, In order to prove his love to the Baroness, who had been brainwashed by Cobra Command into killing uh, her former lover. But that reformatting gets the attention of none other than Megatron of the Transformers. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
So that's, I mean, that's a storyline that, that, that went a bit haywire, but its initial presentation was kind of cool. Having Megatron descend from the sky, completely like battle-scarred, thinking that he's discovered a new Transformer, only to discover that, in fact, no, it's just the flesh creatures playing with uh, transforming buildings. That arc got off to a great start, but the, the art fell, fell apart shortly after that issue, unfortunately. Yeah. It seemed towards the end of the G.I. Joe, a real American hero initial run, uh, that became the central location of Cobra Command. It all seemed to be playing out in Transcarpathia. Destra fires a ICBM <laughs> into his neighborhood, uh, neighboring Darklonia to blow up his cousin. <laughs> Which prompts me to bring up another point. Uh, what did you guys ever think of Darklon in character, in action figure, and his evader? <laughs> um, well, I thankfully own own them, and he's always been like a super mysterious character for me. You know, even like since the catalog days, because you never see him. Well, I never saw him. Like every time I picked up a GI Joe comic, he was one of those characters that was just sort of invisible, like. So a lot of his mystique was built up until I actually read him in the comic and seems to be like a, a weird combination of Cobra Commander and Destro, like like that kind of vibe. So I'm not sure if his actual uh, characterization is that cool, but I think his role in the story lends himself to better characterization. As in, he could actually be like a great third faction um, you know, against Cobra and G.I. Joe at all, third faction within the bad guys. So he's a great foil for Destro and for Cobra, uh, for Cobra. and then at the same time is also a problem for G.I. Joe. Kind of like Hordak, but not as powerful as Hordak, <laughs> if that makes sense. And I'm making reference to He-Man. I'm sure, well, technically She-Ra, <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of other listeners know who Hordak is and his relation to the bad guys in He-Man. Yeah, that's the second time we've had He-Man referenced in this podcast. Hmm. Must be all of this uh, thoughts about castle talk, you know, that's, uh, that's spurring it on. By the honor of Grayskull. I don't hey, have much... a cool cartoon. I don't have too much uh, to say in the way of Darklon. He didn't leave that big of an impression, but uh, that neon green, is there any press? in Destro's action for that? I mean, is there a reason for that? Nope. That was his... Nope. His domain and his only. I don't know. I thought of him as a, as a quite a, a brave warrior, to be honest. I mean, he came with that death wagon. Uh, which, you know, like, he was leading the charge for my, my battles. And he was representing a third faction. I didn't have many Iron Grenadiers figures, so he was definitely like one of Destro's key personnel. He wasn't Cobra. He wasn't Joe. He was Destro. He could be a he could be kind of a Boba Fett knockoff for that universe. I can see that. I also fancied his gun. Yeah, his gun is quite It was sort of multi-barreled. I mean, I used to play it as like a minigun. But to be perfectly honest, it looks more like it should fire uh, darts, like long darts. Hmm. And, you know, it's got a, a, a magazine 
of darts all sort of in its cylinders already and the whole thing is like a gas it's a gas fed weapon uh, to sort of shoot high pressure gas out of those barrels and propel darts but yeah as i say i used to make it a pretty fearsome uh chain gun well they they didn't they didn't make his castle into too much of a location did they no, they, I think, referenced it twice, but I could be mistaken. The first was when yeah. Cobra was trying to sell <laughs> uh, old G.I. Joe and Cobra equipment to Darklon. Uh, and yeah. by adding the Pythonization technology to it, there we go, I was they were going to up, up its value yeah. and hopefully get some sales out of Darklon and his Darklonia armed forces, I guess. <laughs> and then the second time was... When Darklonia was well, when Darklon was eliminated, <laughs> rather uh, nonchalantly by Cobra. Is all that kind of old architecture that you referenced? Is that much of the, the people that you've met? Is that part of their identity? Do they see that as heritage, or does anybody even care? I haven't had very many. Not to change the subject. I haven't had very many conversations with the local population, simply because, I mean, it is so far off the beaten track that English is not widely spoken. And also, I'm a bit recluse, <laughs> to be honest. I, I don't um, go out of my way to strike up conversation. I observe a lot, but, yeah, I haven't spoken to the people about their feel, feel about their history or the architecture. I learned today that Romania was pr- quite heavily involved in uh, establishing death camps during the, the Nazi era. Yeah. So they've got some they got some pretty serious skeletons in their closet. Um, maybe maybe history's not a big thing here. It's about <laughs> moving forward. They also killed their own leader back in nineteen eighty nine on Christmas Day, along with his wife. So it's uh mm. it's it's been a, a turbulent bit of history for Romania. Better be a good performance. A very cool <laughs> movie um, that I reckon you guys should watch if you haven't seen it already. It's called uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck Norris vs. Communism. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's actually, uh, it takes place, well, the, it's a sort of a movie-mentary um, about uh, censorship laws and stuff like that in Romania and, and uh, other nations at the same time and how people used to smuggle in uh, movies like American movies and things like that and how that actually helped bring a lot of camaraderie amongst amongst the population that was essentially quite scared and naturally quite apathetic because of the way that they were being run and handled by their government. It's actually a very interesting film, a very, very eye-opening film as well. Chuck Norris uh, versus communism. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, because of the the Chuck Norris films were obviously like they were like super banned because they were so American. Sure. <laughs> you know? Which is why I held very little to no hope that I'd find any kind of vintage GI Joe, real American hero, in these parts. Uh, well, particularly not vintage. Not a major blow. I, mean, I, I believe there's uh, fun school Russian releases from the nineties, but yeah, none of the early stuff would come here. I mean, this side of the Iron Curtain. Forget about it. They didn't even get Lego. Oh, that's that is depressing, actually. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Instead of uh, playing with uh, shrapnel, the transformer kids this side of the the curtain played with real shrapnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
but the problem is, is like something like Lego promotes creativity and, and creative thinking, and that's something that communism doesn't like. So already, <clears throat> already, just putting that out there. Do you want to chat up a couple pop culture castles that you still enjoy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, getting back to the the castle topic, though. Before we stray from the silent castle, I guess just going around the mic. What are the standout moments for you guys? Uh, can you can you isolate one moment in particular that involved the Silent Castle that you absolutely adored? I, I'll probably pepper little Larry Hama tidbits through through these you know these next couple podcasts just because I chatted with him recently. But when we were chatting like the Cobra hierarchy, he said that Destro was actually the most dangerous uh, character he, he ever created. Of course, like the knee jerk, I go, why? Because the dude plays chess. And I think we laughed. But I think that the moment that I recall from the Silent Castle is Destro is laboring over possibly his love, a Baroness. And uh, also just the grand scheme at the chessboard, which we we all do. So, I mean, I saw myself in that character. And then uh, you see Snake Eyes throw somebody past the window, which is one of those like Larry Hama checkpoints where you're like, oh, uh, Snake Eyes is right above uh, Destro right now. So I think it's the window scene yeah. and just the contemplation on Destro. I've got, there's there's quite there's like three really cool moments from the Silent Castle that I could mention, but I think I want to give Sunbow a little bit of a, uh, some props quickly um, because the Sunbow series features a castle, not the Silent Castle per se, but so many castles <laughs> That is worth mentioning some of the like the, the the fun moments of them, and one of them has to be when Lady J supposedly inherits um, a relative's castle. Like she is the ancestor and the next in line to to run the family castle, and it turns out um, that you know it's uh, allegedly you know haunted, and uh, she she you know she goes in there and she tries to take it up, and at the same time Destro. Um, is involved as well and it makes for a really interesting episode it's it's like it's nuts it's the kind of thing you don't normally expect um from gi joe but what you should expect from cartoons it's also what started my love affair with barbecue (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's that there you go firefly (laughs) has the best line ever when he's Flying a flight pod and trying to shoot down barbecue. I think he's in a, a, a G.I. Joe Falcon glider. <laughs> and Firefly is saying, Die, Fireman! That's why <laughs> barbecue is like a star of my Atlantis Factor series. Oh, love it. I see you, brother. I the see you. Super it's unlikely so hero. Absurd. It's divine. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that. I love the approach. To the silent castle like there's and my memory might be all over the place but there's this beautiful scene where you see the castle and you've got a claw glider going towards it and it's like that's the image that's stuck in my head uh, uh like for all i know it's not even an issue it might even just be promo art it might even be from another issue but there's an an, an issue of or oh, there's a this beautiful image of the claw glider um going towards the silent castle and, and i love that because the the composition is really cool and it's just it's got that you you can feel that like 80s movie tension building up that like you know you've got the like the thing you know 
And then you got this like you kind of feel to it and I love that and it's just it's a cool vibe I feel you on that one bro big time big time what was always perhaps the most interesting and and exciting part of my action figure play was not the big battle but the, mm. the sort of maneuvering into position sequences and nothing was more instrumental in demonstrating infiltration techniques than the various ways the Silent Castle was approached and attacked. Okay, starting with issue 21, Snake Eyes executes a daredevil para-jump. You know, effectively landing his chute on top of the fort itself, on one of those sort of snake heads. And that's like, that yeah. is insane. I mean, I think in the, in the sort of the write-ups subsequent to that, it goes on about how 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 strong the wind speed is up in those mountains. Just uh, the, the 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 only printed words in Silent Issue uh, all run on about like mm-hmm. probabilities, like Destro's monitoring his his threat analysis, and it's sort of listing how unlikely it is that someone could infiltrate by aircraft am i mistaken is it three zeros and then a one and an eight is the percentage (laughs) is there a 33 in there i don't know bro no i think i think i worked it out to be three sixes actually but um because i think it's point zero 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 uh one eight either way oh that's probably multiples of six low uh, probability but snake eyes pulls it off in true snake eyes style um, and then spinning outwards from that, uh, the issue that I referenced, or the, the trio of issues that I referenced earlier, uh, I think there was To Save the Silent Castle is one of them, where the Ninja Force, whose action figures I all possessed at the time, this is important because I'll tell you why, <laughs> me and my buddies used to play out that human ant chain uh, infiltration technique. Each of oh, us, wow. Each of us had yeah. a separate member of the Ninja Force in our hands, and we'd make that human train uh, and and get into the enemy installation that way. I mean, that sort of superhuman daring do by the Ninja Force might have gotten stale for, for readers and, and uh, perhaps more grown-up G.I. Joe fans at the time. But for us, this is exactly what we wanted to see in our comic books. Uh, because, you know, we were the Power Rangers generation. We wanted to see, like, the fact that ninjas could achieve anything. They didn't need guns. They could, yeah. you know, they were the silent, silent assassins. They were the almost omnipotent battlefield wraiths. They could just slip through undetected. And before you knew it, you had a sword to your throat. You know, uh, it was it was that sort of thing that really inspired my playtime. And um, that was then trumped in one of the sort of, I think it was like in the 140s of the run, where Storm Shadow jumps he sort of bails out of a moving train into the the water yes. and <laughs> swims up to like a sluice gate cuts it with an acetylene torch and finds his way into the sort of the bowels of the silent castle only to be confronted by the sort of holographic assault weapon that dr mindbender had uh, perfected uh, to to disorientate a ninja and cobra commander sporting some new uh, unproduced action figure wise uh, battle armor that was cool that was just so cool 
That, that's all leading up to the death of Cobra Commander, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was really? late. You sure? <laughs> Is it? No, I'm not, I'm not making the statement. I was, I was actually asking a question. It just yeah. occurred to me that any hooded Cobra Commander version could essentially be that armored Cobra Commander. Because he wore this sort of yeah. super low profile armor underneath his uh, hooded Cobra com- his hooded uniform. Hmm, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All of a sudden, your hooded Cobra Commander can be uh, a frontline battlefield commander. Nice. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're right about that. The coolest moments uh, that involve the Silent Castle for me were always the way operatives approached it. You know, by air. Mm by the mountainside, by the sewer. Yeah, it was always intriguing and cool and, like, tension-building. Always the most important part of my play. I have kind of a a proposition I've been sitting on for a while for our 121st conversation about that issue. Uh, I'll I'll pose that in due course. I think you already have. I think you're right. There's, There's so many ways to frame it. Well, I haven't told you what it is. Ooh, well, I live in wait, and we're only five episodes away from 121, so uh, is it five? Uh-huh. It's five. My math sucks. Uh-huh. It's late. I'm sitting in Romania on my hotel floor, because I don't have a desk in here. Man, this is pokey. Tomorrow, I go on stage to perform a production of Macbeth, after having seen the most awesome Korean production of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, my word. Guys, it was like anime, but like real life. Oh, oh cool. Man, so cool. So cool. With loads of loads of stage combat. Uh, you would have dug it, Paul. The way they handled the, the fight scenes. Very, very cool. I totally would have dug the shit out of that. <laughs> well, I'm interested to know. Give me, give me a pop culture castle that, that you enjoy. Outside of G.I. Joe, obviously. I'm going to swing this one over to my man, Paul. Yeah, uh, that, that should be a big hint. I love Castlevania. Now, if you guys are like, huh? Castlevania is a video game. Actually, Castlevania is the name of Dracula's castle in the Castlevania series, or Akumajo Dracula or Dorokura um, series, um, and I love it because, well, firstly, it's a living being. It's uh, it's shaped by chaos and uh, madness, and and its inhabitants. I mean, aside from the fact that it has all of these crazy ass monsters and things like that, it does sort of shape itself to the time, and it does always accentuate a different side of Dracula's personality. Uh, from the Castlevania series, um, and uh, the, the the game that made me actually fall in love with it uh, was Symphony of the Night, because I would often play Symphony of the Night and then just go into sections of that castle, um, and you'd have these clouds like scrolling in the background and everything, and I would just sit there and be like, wow, how cool would it be to have this place as your own house, you know? replete with all of the madness that lives inside it and all of the the beautiful artworks and and everything that's in there and then to have your your like your throne room like that's right like on the end spire uh, on, on the topmost point of the castle i think it's it's just really it's it's just 
it's like the ultimate horror castle and I love it. And it's and it's kind of cheesable in a lot of ways too, but yeah, love Castlevania. There's no castle anywhere in anything that comes close to Castlevania for me. Especially its its incarnation in Symphony of the Night. What about you, was- Steven? <laughs> so I have been scrambling for for a castle whose imagery really really excited me, uh, intrigued me as a child. And I've got to say, it comes from the Filmation Ghostbusters. Yeah! yeah. The, the, the one with Tracy, the, the gorilla, yeah. that one. The castle belonging to Prime yeah. Evil. It just mm. had such a eerie palette. Uh, and it, it's something that stayed with me for quite a while because I, I, I had I, I had precious few of the action figures from that line. I think I had the sort of the the, the evil answer to C-3PO, whatever his name was. Uh, that sort of skeleton bad dude. Uh, I don't know. I forget his name. His his limbs his limbs name is pulled either. apart at great difficulty. I must add for my four or five year old hands but prime evil's castle was featured on a oh man i can't even remember the term for these things del short on facebook reminded me of them but it was basically vinyl stickers that you could peel and reapply many many times and one location was the ghostbusters hq and the other location, and you flip it over, and the other location was Primeval's castle. And, yeah, man, Filmation did a bloody good job back in the day. I believe they went bankrupt. I mm-hmm. mean, as, as any, any uh, American-based animators would have, you know, in the, in the face of the, the, the Japanese juggernaut. But, yeah, man, they did some fine work. In fact, all of their backgrounds, be it from the Ghostbusters or from uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, She-Ra, and Brave, Brave Star. Star. Was that also Filmation? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I yeah. just remember, like, those, like, it's it left a lasting impression for me. It's beautiful. Uh, See, I didn't go with the typical one. I didn't I didn't go with Castle Grayskull. <laughs> the one, like, animated feature... That I think Filmation did as well, or at least a huge part of them, a huge part of their team. Oh no, okay, it's Rolf Bakshi. Sorry, I was thinking of Wizards because that also had some like highly, well, like highly well, well, superbly well rendered backgrounds mm. in it. Uh, and it's also kind of a, it's a very left field uh, animated film. But uh, yeah, so, sorry, I just thought I, I just. The way that they also use a lot of rotoscoping. So for a second there, I thought that Formation also worked on that. But I'm like, no, it's Rolf Bakshi. Anyway, <laughs> carrying on. What about you, Cooge? I think uh, you guys don't watch Game of Thrones. That's fine. We don't have time. I, do. I think there's a lot of castles that they really flesh out in that, obviously. But um, I think Darth Vader's castle. And then maybe Rob can appreciate this. But uh, the no, this was before uh, the prequels. But it did show up in uh, Rogue One, I think. You get to see uh, Vader uh, talk to Krennic. But yeah, Vader's Castle was yeah. yeah EU for, I mean, quite some time. And they did 
They did bring it out in one of the uh, Jedi Academy games on Xbox. That's why I think Rob might have played it. But they did have a, a level where you went to Darth Vader's castle. That was a huge hit back in the day. But yeah, that's probably it. You don't really... I mean, it's not fleshed out, obviously, because you either read it on the page or play it in a video game. But it, it has a pretty big uh, foothold in my castle, hmm. castle memories. If our listeners uh, feel so inclined... Do a Google search for Darth Vader's castle. There's some stunning concept art for it, especially for Rogue One. It will blow you away. It's, it's a very cool castle. Thanks for that backup, brother. I feel that you would <laughs> nice. build your castle on the planet that cost you your, well, your body parts. <laughs> yeah, I, think I don't know. Shakespearean that way. <laughs> convoluted. Yeah, I don't know. He's a dark boy, that Darth. I think I'm castled out, gents. Yeah. I'm... Guys, we forgot about the most important castle, which is obviously the rook on the side of the motorcycle. Oh, damn. The ram. Awesome. Um, I'm joking around. Little what, footnote. What do you suppose that uh, that detail was meant to denote? I think a rook can jump across the board, so you know the motorcycle can get in a straight line somewhere. Yeah, true that. Yeah. Yes, the Rook, or Castle, as we call it here, can go any number of spaces, but in one direction only. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, well, I suppose one thing to mention before we castle out. <laughs> um, uh, there was a guy, and I've mentioned this before on the show, there's a guy who did a, a beautiful uh, mock-up of a Silent Castle playset. He did it as a G.I. Joe box art mock-up. Um, and on the side of the box, and uh, it had some of the features that it would have and whatever's. And uh, it's a really, really, really cool playset. And I know that a lot of G.I. Joe fans out there, for some or another reason, want a re-release of the flag by Hasbro, seeing as Hasbro is now has just done Jabba's sail barge, which is super awesome if you are so inclined to own that. Um, but shouldn't we rather be like, I don't know, chomping at the bit for a silent castle playset? Uh, I would I would far prefer that over a, a flag. And uh, I think it would be a much needed addition to the G.I. Joe toy mythos. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be interested to see what kind of response something like that would get. Uh, I know that the the Jabba's sail barge HasLab fund uh, exceeded its goal several times over in terms of pre-orders, so that's definitely going ahead. But of course, that is Star Wars, and in spite of its recent fortunes or misfortunes at the box office or toy sales, you know, whatever you want to say about uh, the, the the reception of the Last Jedi and its toys, there is still a huge demand for quality vintage inspired action figures playsets and vehicles so uh, i don't know how that translates to gi joe fandom do we have the numbers boys i suppose only time will tell the problem is it's so difficult to gauge that just from reading uh people's comments and things in various uh joe uh joe facebook groups but um the general consensus seems to be that if uh has lab uh has made jabba's sail barge that is there's a, they've obviously done their research in considering G.I. Joe product. 
And I suppose we're going to hear, hopefully we hear something about that at JoeCon. And uh, let it be known that I will be that South African accent in the back of the room that goes, no, not a fucking uh, flag. We want a castle. So if you guys hear that, it's and me. And they'll be like, well, <laughs> you're irrelevant anyways because we don't ship to South Africa. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe we can change. No, I'll just use my US. <laughs> well, we're, we're wrapping up, I suppose. I suppose so. Ladies and gentlemen, you just got yeah. hit by Steve's Romanian adventure, amongst other things. Episode 115 of G.I. Joburg. Oh, man. Good times. I think I'm going to hit the hay <laughs> because tomorrow I'm taking a trip to a castle, a figurative one. Much of the action of uh, of Macbeth plays out in a castle called Dunsinane in Scotland. That's the name. Yeah. That's what it is. That's going to be really cool. Uh, I won't wish you luck just because it's Macbeth. <laughs> We've said the damn player's name enough times <laughs> to to have uh, invited those bad spirits. Hell, I don't mind. Extra audience members. <laughs> <laughs> More bums to fill the seats. But yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm superstitious. And Not that we'll have so. any empty seats. Um, but sure. yeah. It's a play festival, man. People, like, stand in the aisles. Awesome. awesome. Oh, that's so yeah. cool, man. Living the good life. I wish we could get footage. Uh, I wish we could see. <coughs> stay, stay away from those uh, supermodels and whatnot. Get you in trouble. <laughs> yep. Just tell them you know a guy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me to South Africa. Yes, nice. <laughs> yeah, just be like, blood is love. Blood is love. Baby, don't <laughs> hurt me. No more. <laughs> There it is, ladies and gentlemen, our play out. <laughs> what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening. Check out our GoFundMe if you got some bones to throw or if you know someone who might. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, guys, we are well on our way. Get some t-shirts. The t-shirts are awesome. We'll post them on uh, yep. the social media, as promised. My name's Steve. Dun, 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 Paul, dun, 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 Go to Cujo. <laughs> I can't upstage that. Ow. <laughs> For this love, love, baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I love it. Oh, Paul. You're a class act. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye.